tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Shauna Podcast, your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. Brought to you by Shane Holmes, offering affordable customization on your new home. It is July 6, 2023. I am Shauna. Beckler is away today. He's off to Saskatchewan. It's so funny because his friends will come in from Saskatoon and then I will drive to Saskatoon, which is what happened last weekend. And then now he's going to Saskatoon. And so he's off to go visit the Fam Jam now. Um, we, between the two of us, we make a lot of trucks out to Saskatchewan, don't we? Uh, it is officially Sneak-A-Peak night. This means that the launch to Stampede is tomorrow. Sneak-A-Peak means that you can actually go and they, they call it a preview night, more or less. You get to see it before the official launch tomorrow. Uh, it's 11 bucks admission. You can go wander around. They were testing everything out yesterday, so I heard the marching bands. I heard all of the speakers. Um, basically, tonight is the first night of me not sleeping. That's how this works, okay? Because all that sound is right out my window. Uh, I am going to have a spectacular view of the Stampede fireworks, though. And I don't know if you know much about the Stampede fireworks. If you live in Calgary, of course you do. But um, it is one of the most spectacular fireworks shows out there. And where I live now, I'm basically looking down on them. So it means for the next 10 days, I will be hearing those fireworks because they're so damn close. But I'm also going to get an amazing view. I actually think I might live stream one night. A bunch of friends of the show asked me, they're like, you've got to live stream the fireworks for all of us. So... In case you can't make it down to watch the uh, Stampede Fireworks, I will work on doing that for you. I'll film it, and then I'll post it up on my socials for you so you can enjoy the Stampede Fireworks without having to come all the way downtown. Okay? You're welcome. On the show today, um, this is maybe the pinnacle of small-town news because I actually found a small-town TV newscast. And let me tell you, it is just as funny as the stuff that we mock. This is a real small-town newscast. And they talk about some mundane stuff. I'll uh, get to that. I have a bonus heritage moment. This one's a cowboy heritage moment, though. I thought I'd feature some of the most famous outlaws that you may not know about. As, of course, again, it's leading the stampede time. So why not, you know? I had my boyfriend on to argue what the most hated sports franchise is. And I actually got a few messages about this and people are heated and disagree with him so we'll get to that and something that's considered a sport that is taken way too seriously and it's a bit ridiculous we'll get to that after your out of context clip of the show we were equally as thrilled to travel to campobello island on saturday to cover the graduation ceremony which had a total of four graduates the beckler and shauna podcast so nathan's famous hot dog eating contest happened recently and um I never really had watched the footage of this. I've always heard it, but kind of let it pass me by. And then I was watching uh, an interview recently, and my God, are they serious about this? Like, it was hilarious. They were interviewing the contestants, and they were acting as if this was a full-on Stanley Cup final. They have this grand entrance music. The contestants were discussing the humidity and the conditions and how that's going to affect their ability to eat 70-plus hot dogs or whatever. I was like, holy hell. And then the contestants... 
It's like they have full-on PR people who train them to answer questions like hockey players. They sound like full-out hockey player interviews. Just have a listen to this. But can the king, Joey Chestnut, beat his own record this year? 76 hot dogs and buns, a lot of humidity tomorrow, very likely. Can you break it? I'm going to be sweating. It's not going to be pretty, but uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get those dogs down, and uh, I'll be making a run for the record. Yeah, uh, I just got to get the dogs in deep. Uh, last time I, I didn't bring my A game. I didn't eat for the full 60 minutes and I, I paid the price. Uh, I, I, ju- I just need to keep things simple. Put the dogs to the gut. Uh, put, put more traffic in front of my gut for... Yeah, thanks. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. So we often talk about small town news on this radio program. And uh, we actually tend to make up our own mock TV small town news based on real headlines that we see. Now, the reason that we... It's not making fun of. It's just that... News in a small town is just a little bit softer than the hard-hitting violence and guns and God knows what in the big city. So sometimes you just want a little bit of relief for that for some good, wholesome small-town news. Uh, So I'm always keeping an eye out for some great small-town news headlines. And I was laughing a little bit because yesterday I stumbled across this headline. Live stream high school graduation here. And I was laughing, first of all, because they don't even name the high school, as there's clearly only one in this town. And then this is such a big deal that not only can you attend grad, even if, you know, you don't know the people graduating. This is a big thing is that you'll attend grad anyway. But then if you miss that, okay, this is such a big deal that if you miss that, you can then live stream it at home as well. And then after I came across that headline, a link to a local small town TV program popped up and I was like, oh, what's this? And I, I'm just going to play this for you. Graduation services took place last week for high schools across New Brunswick and CHCO was thrilled to be invited to cover Sir James Dunn Academy's graduation ceremony live from the iconic Kira Amphitheater in St. Andrews on Thursday. Just wait. We were equally as thrilled to travel to Campobello Island on Saturday to cover the graduation ceremony, which had a total of four graduates. What's that? But you wouldn't know that from the turnout to the grad ceremony, which was truly a community event. I'm just going to jump back here uh, how, how many grads was that four graduates oh my god that is just phenomenal this is this is an actual tv and this is hilarious too because the top two headlines of this tv program were traveling to different small towns to go and attend the high school graduations and the second one only had four graduates if that's not wholesome small town news i mean we might have to give up this segment now that's just the pinnacle of it all the beckler and shauna podcast oh i got thinking about this but i was thinking about the most hated franchises in sports those that people just love to hate people just do hate and my boyfriend cliff is on the line right now because you're you're a sports guy you work in hockey you've worked in sports your whole life and i thought maybe you'd have some interesting insight into this as well who would you say is the most hated sports franchise in history well as a Ryder fan, I might have to say the Stampeders. Okay. All right. Um, All of us proud Ryder fans. Meanwhile, the majority of the world doesn't even know who the freaking Riders are. It was like, what's the CFL? Uh, so, okay, in Saskatchewan yeah. for sure. Now let's go the world as a whole. <laughs> okay. So I broke this down into leagues because I think we each have a hated team in each of the leagues. Interesting. Right? Okay. So the NFL is the interesting one because... I think the most hated team is the Cowboys. Yeah, everybody always says that, but they're also probably the most beloved team. I know, but I think if if half the fans love them and half the fans hate them, that probably puts them ahead of most teams in the old hated category. Mm. Major League Baseball, 
It's the Red Sox. They're just dirty. I'm you think it's the Red fan. Sox? I don't. I disagree. Yes. I think it's the Yankees. No. Nope. I think they fall in that same category with the Cowboys. It's like the Montreal Canadiens. Mm. Half of us probably hate them, but there's a big other half that love them. As a Leafs fan, I hate the Canadians. They, oh. They'd be up on the top of the list for me. Let's move on to the NHL then. Okay. Until you bring up the Leafs. I know. They are easily the most hated team. I agree. It's so obvious. And it's because of the media coverage mostly. I mean, it's not that the team itself is hated. I think people just hate that the Leafs take all of the media coverage. We've talked about that on the air before, right? I, I don't know. There seems to be a lot of happy people when they lose in the playoffs. Well, Toronto, everybody hates Toronto as a whole, not even just the team. Yeah. If you work for that team, then that sucks. Um, yeah. Okay, here's one that I would like to argue with, though. What about the Houston Astros? Like, uh, they banged on a couple garbage cans. I get it. Yeah. But but I think a- right now, I think they might be, and I know historically, obviously, would take precedence over right now, but I think currently they would be the most hated Major League Baseball team, at least. Boy, if you hated every Major League Baseball team for cheating, you'd have to hate them all because everybody does it. They just happen to get caught. Uh, that's fair. Maybe that's why people look at it that way. Of all of those teams, then, who would you put in number one? I know this seems weird, but for me, it would be the Leafs. I think for a lot of people, it might be the Cowboys. Probably in Canada, it would be the Leafs. And maybe beyond that, as North America as a whole, it would be the Cowboys, I'd say. Yeah. And this I'm going to specify as North American sports because I would say that there's probably some soccer teams that are hated more so than anything. Uh, I just am not well-versed enough in soccer to know. Oh, I have an idea on the soccer. I think it's any team your team is playing against. (laughs) If you watch the way their fans react, every week it's just like that. (laughs) That's fair. Okay, so you think the Leafs, eh? Well... Yeah. For you. <laughs> the Beckler and Shauna Podcast. So after we talked about this, I got uh, a few responses. Um, friend of the show, Graham, who is a massive Leafs fan, first of all, was like, frig off, Cliff, drop the gloves, let's go. Um, he then said, of course, he, like me, just needs to defend our team. I get that. Uh, but then Jamie wrote, and he had a very well thought out message that I thought I should share with you. It says, hey, Shauna, I wasn't in a position to text into the show early, but I just can't let this go. How your boyfriend could say that the Boston Red Sox are more hated than the New York Yankees just isn't right and needs to be corrected. The Red Sox were the recipients of so much baseball sympathy as they were the victims of a curse for almost a hundred years. Currently, they're carrying the torch of baseball history by playing out of what's universally recognized as the most beautiful ballpark in MLB. There's nothing really to hate about them. The Yankees, on the other hand, have done their best to ruin baseball for decades by driving up payrolls. They notoriously poach the best players from small market teams. They're referred to as the evil empire, for God's sake. You let him off easy today by not pushing back on his claim, but you need to bring Cliffy back on the air tomorrow and straighten him out publicly on this fact. So I read this and I was like, wow, Jamie, that is a very well thought out message. And thank you for that. Um, I will definitely pass this on to Cliff. And he's right. The fact that said... The fact that Cliff said the Red Sox is a little questionable to me. I was like, was he trying to rib at Beckler while Beckler's not in the office today? Or what's going on here? I don't know. I don't know. I would agree that it is the Yankees. Like, again, they are driving up payroll. I, I'm going to have to dig deeper. I want to find out why Cliff said the Red Sox. It's weird. Weird. Everything else I agree with. That one's strange to me. And I'm saying this, okay, as a Jays fan. I truly am defending the Red Sox right now. And I hate to say it, but... Cliff, I mean, I think he's uh, a bit off on that one. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. Etymology with Shauna. 
I learned the etymology of some animals recently, and I wanted to pass these to you because I find them fascinating. Uh, first of all, muskrat. When you say muskrat, uh, we think it comes from the Algonquin, and it literally means it is red. That is all muskrat means is it is red. So when we say, hey, that's a muskrat, we're just saying, a, hey, that's an it is red. Dumb, but here we are. Okay, uh, the word moose, also thought to be an Algonquin word, literally meaning he strips it off. And this is a reference to the moose's fondness for tearing bark off trees. They just said, well, he strips it off. So that's what they called him. He strips it off. Instead, he says moose. So then I was thinking about this and I was like, that's kind of cool because this is going to be an alternative term to stripping from this point forward then. So instead of stripping for you, hey, do you want me to moose for you? Instead of going to the strippers? Yeah, for my bachelor party, I'm going to the moosers. It's a great code word for stripping. Let's play some moose poker. Big fan of that. Adding that into the vocabulary immediately. Uh, And then octopus. I mean, you probably know this, but it literally means eight-footed. Although a lot of people think it might be eight-armed or that type of thing. No, no. Eight-footed. So octo, of course, again, we know means eight. And well, this I just learned, but I guess puss means foot in ancient Greek. So I guess when we like to make fun of Vancouver for being just a little bit soft when we call them pusses, we're actually saying that they're feet. We're calling them feet. So if you call somebody a puss, you're literally just calling them a foot, which I, I quite enjoy this. Also, isn't pussy footing around also a term? Kind of meaning like dawdling or taking your time off. Oh, he's pussy footing around. So if we're saying somebody is pussy footing around, we're literally saying that they're footy footying around. This this language, man. Something about it. Strange. Etymology with Shauna. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. I had the TV on in the background yesterday, and this commercial came on, and I instantly stopped, and I was like, this sounds like a commercial for something cowboy, whether it's Stampede or Western Wear or what. And sure enough, it was. Here's just a little clip of it. It's not a great recording, but you'll get the idea here. The morning dawn can't be rushed. It happens just as fast as it's supposed to. So there's just something about that voice that sounds cowboy to me, doesn't it? There's something about it. I heard it and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a cowboy. And that voice is used in different TV shows, movies and commercials to represent the common cowboy. And I was thinking and I was like, why? Like, what is it about this voice that makes you think cowboy? It requires care, craftsmanship, families, how it began. You know, I mean, it's deeper, sounds maybe a little bit hardened, kind of gives you this visualization as a voice that's maybe been a bit weathered or exposed to the elements like a cowboy is. Sounds just a little rough, kind of like maybe he's had a few whiskey in his day, probably a few darts out in the field as well. It's kind of a voice that says, I've seen something, you know, like there's something about it. Pride is what placed our name on the door, and it's there today. Oh, yeah, listen to that growl. It's there today. Oh, you know what it is? Okay. It sounds like there's a mustache in front of that mouth. That's what it is. A cowboy mustache. You're speaking through that cowboy mustache and you're rough. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. It just, it screams cowboy to me. I just was like, why? It's the mustache. It's the handlebars. The mu- Yeah, that's it. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. Well, I'm sure you've seen this by now, but uh, Lucic was interviewed on a podcast recently, and he was uh, saying that there are far more Oilers fans than Flames fans in Alberta. 
He said that when you go on the road, a lot more people know who the Oilers are versus the Flames. And he said even in Alberta, it's probably 70% Oilers to 30% Flames. Now, a lot of people read this and are very upset about it, uh, especially us as Flames fans getting very defensive. Here's the thing, though. Um, he's right. Like, I hate to say it, but when you think about it, I, I'd say he's absolutely right. Like, when I lived in Saskatchewan, tons of Saskatchewan people are Oilers fans, okay? Tons of them. My friend who lives in Red Deer says Red Deer heavily leans Oilers as well. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, the Oilers success in the 80s, and there was the slew of draft picks, and before that, of course, they had Gretzky and Messier, and they've been around for longer as well. Like, that alone would probably mean there'd be more fans. So we shouldn't get defensive because it's probably true. Here's the thing, though. Quality over quantity, okay? Maybe there's less Flames fans, but we're better fans. That's number one. And also, like, let's be honest here. There isn't a whole lot of other things happening in Edmonton. So, yes, they're very devoted fans, and they spread like wildfire, and it's because not much else going on. Kind of like how Riders fans in Saskatchewan are so devoted. We talked about how they might be one of the best fan bases. I have to admit that, and it's because there isn't a whole lot else happening. In Saskatchewan, okay? So we shouldn't get defensive by Lucic saying that there are more Oilers fans than Flames fans. Let's just remember that we're the better fans, and that's all that counts. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. So on Wednesdays, we do these things we call Calgary Heritage Moments. And it's where we talk about the history of the city, uh, famous people from the city, just different things about it that you might not know about it. Uh, and I thought because Stampede is upon us, we could do a little bonus heritage moment. This one, though, about cowboys instead of Calgary. So instead of a Calgary heritage moment, it's a cowboy heritage moment. And these are all real-life outlaws, cowboys, badasses, people who used to exist in the Wild West and who you probably don't know about. Or if you do, maybe I can shed a little more light into it for you. So here we go. It's the first cowboy heritage moment. Heritage moment. With Stampede upon us, I thought it might be fun to feature some of the most famous cowboys and cowgirls. The cow people, basically, of all time. And today we're focusing on a woman who is known as the Bandit Queen. Her name was Belle Starr. Her involvement with Jesse James makes her one of the most notorious female outlaws of all time. So Belle was born Myra Mabel Shirley, and she grew up in Missouri in a well-to-do family. She attended a private school and took classical piano, although she was always regarded as a, a little wild, and her attendance at school was, well, questionable at best. But she always had a strong sense of style. She used to ride side saddle while dressed in black velvet, carrying two pistols and cartridge belts across her hips. She didn't wear the fancy dresses. She wore buckskins and boots and a man's Stetson hat with a giant ostrich plume on it. She had no use for those hoity-toity dresses and quite often dressed as a man. When Belle wasn't committing robbery, she was in the saloons, normally the only woman in said saloon, spending her time drinking, gambling, and galloping down the streets and shooting her guns wherever she pleased. Woman after my own heart, I've got to say. Her husband was eventually shot by a deputy sheriff, however, after a stagecoach robbery, and this made Belle even more wild. She put her kids into the care of relatives, and her criminal activity only escalated. She was organizing robberies and hiding criminals, living a notoriously criminal life. Unfortunately, her life ended in similarly dramatic fashion. On February 3rd, 1889, two days before her 41st birthday, Belle was killed. She was riding home from a neighbor's house when she was ambushed. After she fell off her horse, she was shot again to make sure she was dead. Her death resulted from shotgun wounds to the back and neck and in the shoulder and face. 
Legend says she was shot with her own double barrel shotgun, although her murder is still unsolved to this day. Bella Stark, though, a true badass. A bit crazy from what I gather as well. This has been a heritage moment. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. I don't have children, so I have a question to pose to you. If you have some, or maybe you know the answer to this. Do parents have air tags on their children these days? I was thinking about Stampede, and I mean, even on the weekend, I was at this blow-up dinosaur world record attempt, and uh, there were like 1,100 blow-up dinosaurs all in one place, and if you lost the people you're with, well, you're in trouble because everybody isn't a blow-up dinosaur, and everyone looks identical. So if you don't know where your friends are, you've lost them forever. And I was like, you know what would be great in these scenarios? Air tags especially with kids like stampede has a very active lost children booth i was chatting with somebody who worked there last year and they were talking about just how often kids are returned to the lost and found which also a hilarious concept that your kid is going to the lost and found but i was like you know what would solve all of this is an air tag on your child then you don't have to put your kid on a leash either. You know, nobody wants to be the leash kid. Now, at least with air tags, you can track them down without having to be a leash kid. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. Hey, hey, what did you learn today? So you may know that uh, over the weekend, I was attending the dinosaur world record attempt where it was the most amount of blow up dinosaurs all in one place. I went to Dundurn, Saskatchewan, a town of 600 people and 1100. And I think the official number was 1167 blow up dinosaurs descended upon this town. And so I, I have a blow up dinosaur costume that I was using throughout COVID when I was really bored and was just walking around in it. Because of that, I decided, hey, let's go. So my boyfriend and I on Canada Day went and attended that. And we blew the record out of the water. I think the record was like 300 and something. And again, 1,167 dinosaurs showed up. The funny thing was, though, there were quite a few people there that did not have dinosaur costumes. And it was because they were entirely sold out. Because I guess once people got word of this happening, everybody was, of course, scooping up these dinosaur costumes. Then I was thinking about it and I was like, that has become such an iconic meme. Like, we might look back in this time period and one of the highlights is going to be that T-Rex ridiculous blow up dinosaur costume. And then I was like, where did it even come from? How did this begin? Why is this a thing? And I looked into it. I actually didn't realize this. It was originally a dinosaur costume from Jurassic Park. That's what it started out as. I didn't even know that. That's how embarrassing it is. I mean, I understand it's a dinosaur. Didn't realize it came out at the time of the first Jurassic Park, but that is actually the first time that that costume came to be. And then it kind of, from that, though, snowballed into just a ridiculous Halloween costume. And when everybody realized how silly it looked when you walked around in it, it became what it is now, this viral meme of sorts. But, um... I was like, how much money did Jurassic Park make out of this? It was actually invented by Ruby's Costume Company, which is the biggest costume company in the world. Uh, they make $691 million a year, apparently. Uh, but it was licensed out by the Jurassic Park franchise. And that franchise is worth $6 billion. And I was like, how much of that was from those costumes? Like, I don't remember much from the Jurassic Park films, but I remember all kinds of stuff regarding these dinosaur costumes. How much money do you think they actually made on them? You can't find that information online. I don't know if they don't want you to know. Kind of makes sense because they probably want you to think the movies were. Where they're making all their money. I swear it was probably those ridiculous dinosaur costumes. Because people are still scooping them up. They're still sold out online. 
It's all just because they look so ridiculous. But I guess the uh, the guy who runs Ruby's Costume Company, he said the idea of this came, it started as a fabric, just basic dinosaur costume. And then he looked at the sumo suits. And he was just like, okay, how do we use the same technology as the sumo suits, but make it for a dinosaur? And that's how it all began. And again, the rest is history. Jeez, that's genius. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. With Stampede upon us, I got wondering about what the Stampede style for this year is. And I actually haven't seen. So normally around this time, something comes up as kind of the thing that everybody's wearing for Stampede, right? It's always something a little bit different. I mean, it's always plaid and the staples, but then there's something, a little addition, a little spark to it. Uh, Last year, of course, it was the Daisy Dukes that show your chugger. Uh, The shorts that were so short that you could... You could see your wiffle ball. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. Short shorts have been around for a while. They're always a part of Stampede. But I swear they get shorter and shorter every year. Like last year, if a girl bent down, you could see so much. I swear you could see into her future. You know what I mean? Like that's a little too short. There is nothing left to the imagination when they're that short. And especially if you're not if you're not wearing the underpants, not wearing the panties underneath, and we could see it all. Perhaps this year it'll be even shorter, although, again, I'm not even sure that's possible. It's funny, though, Beckler and I like to do a foof count at this time of year. It's how many cheeks are displayed as well as they walk by. Bare cheeks, not just bumps. Everybody has a dumper, so not just that. But the, the bare cheeks that are exposed, we tend to do a count. And then at the end, we have a kind of a master list. We compile how many we've counted. So we may just do that again this year. We'll see. You've been listening to the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative. X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at x 92 And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have Beckler and Shauna downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later. After Hours, a weekly podcast that brings X Afternoons with Mariah and Ty to another level of awesome and allows you to listen on your own terms. Go behind the curtain and hear the stuff you won't hear on the radio. Like, f*** they're going to say f***. Find X After Hours wherever you get your podcasts or on the X app.